You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Dr. History, good morning. Good morning, Zeb. Can you hear all right? I can hear just fine. Okay. Yes. Well, I don't mean you, but I meant <laughs> oh, the headsets. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm doing fine. Very well. So, i got a few people to talk about today. I can't imagine. Now, this guy, I don't know his real name. But he goes by the Schnitzelflüster. Sch- no, wait a minute. Can you say that on the air without me? Schnitzelflüster. Schnitzelflüster. And he is in Germany. Well, now that's a duh. And he has been he's been riding back and forth for several years, and uh, always has something pretty good, funny Let to me say. Try that again, Schnitzelflüster. Schnitzelflüster. And please do not try to say it rapidly. No, and. I believe he is the farthest away we have as a listener. What does that mean? Uh, it's just a name he made up. Schnitzel is a, what's a kind of a... It's an egg deal, isn't it? Something to uh, eat. Yeah, like a bakery thing. Or is that strusel? Stru- that's, I think that's strudel, yeah. Oh. Schnitzel, well, anyway. So thank you. You Schnitzel Fluster, <laughs> and you're gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna get in trouble yet in Germany. And if anybody out there is farther away than Germany, let me know. But he suggested and sent me some good information on teepees, on how they're made, how they're how they keep the the rain and snow out. And uh, anyway, so I think I might do a show on teepees one of these days. I've often wondered uh, when you see in the movies or even some of the pictures of the Old West, it looks like the bottom of the teepee is open about four or five inches. Yeah, and you know, but the information he sent me, I think I'm going to do a show on that to explain that because there was something they had on the inside as well. On the the floor? uh, Yeah, and around the inside on the lower part. Oh, I didn't know that. So, anyway, we may have to do a show on that. So, thank you, Schnitzel Fluster. (laughs) You're you're just tempting fate, buddy. I know it. And to Catherine. Catherine uh, suggested we do a show on a guy named Jack Abernathy, the wolf catcher. And I've never heard of this guy. I haven't either. But I thought, okay, well, okay. I'll check that out. And then Katrina also suggested that they have some information on Judge Isaac Parker. And so, you know, that might be a source. Isaac Parker. I'm trying to remember judge. him. The hanging judge. Right. I thought yeah. his name was... Um Wasn't it Isaac Parker? Mm, judge Parker? That's not the one I remember. Um, okay. I remember Judge Roy Bean. But... Oh, yeah, Roy Bean. Yeah. Well... We'll have to work on yeah, that. Yeah, I'll have to check on that. Okay. And then I don't want us to forget Scott last week that gave us the term for alcohol. Do you remember? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, wobbly pop. Wobbly pop. Yes. You just, didn't think I'd remember no, that. No, I just had to throw that back in because, okay. uh, you know, wobbly pop. How can you forget that? There you go. And what are we going to talk about today? Well, before we get to that, I just want to mention that Amazon contacted me and they are putting our show on Audible. So we are now going to be on Amazon, so we'll, wow. we'll be out there a little little more. So Good. All the more reason we can get in trouble. Yeah. So here we go. I'm going to talk about a cowboy named Joe. Joe. 
just Joe. Okay. So picture this. It's the early spring of 1875, and Joe rode into the Snake River region right around us, not right. too far, okay. uh, but of eastern Oregon, and hired out to the ranchers as a cowboy. Now, Joe worked most of the cattle ranches in eastern Oregon and western Idaho. Uh, the ranchers first thought that Joe was just another cowboy uh, who would soon be drifting on, like a lot of them do. They would just come and go, you know, yeah. cowboys, and sometimes you didn't know much about them, but, uh, and sometimes they liked that. But he was outstanding in a lot of ways. Little Joe could run faster, shoot straighter, and handle a lariat with the best. He was not very big. Uh, he stood only about five foot two, weighed maybe 135 pounds. And Joe didn't have a lot to say, but when he did speak, his words came out fast, and you could hardly understand him. He, can you kind of picture this character? Kind of a yeah, short, kind of. maybe a squeaky voice, yeah. uh, kind of high-pitched. But Like in high school, you're nerdly type. Yeah, that would be kind of described, but, but a good cowboy. But uh, people wondered when, when he slept, because he never seemed to go to the bunk house with the other cowboys, but would bed down under the stars or on a hay pile or rolled up in a blanket, just kind of stayed to himself. Why do I think I know where you're headed, and I'm not going to say <laughs> another... You put your hand up like a traffic cop. <laughs> well, what can I say, Seb? <laughs> Here we go. Besides working on a, as a ranch hand... Joe spent the first years uh, of the uh, of the Owyhee in the Owyhee area in the mining uh, camp of the boom city of Ruby City, Idaho, uh, and supplied meat for the miners. You've that, got me on that Ruby City. I've never yeah, heard that, of that. That's over in the kind of the southwest part of Idaho, the Owyhee area. Yeah, uh, that goes into like uh, into Nevada. Is and, the town still there? I don't know because it was a boom mining town. I see. So I'm not sure if there's anything left of it. But Joe also worked on sheep ranches around Payette, Idaho, and at most of the large uh, sheep ranches in western Idaho. So again, right around, not too far from us, to the west of us, okay? He broke and trained wild range horses for anyone wanting to hire him. Joe took part in a Wild West show, cattle drives, and helped in the sheep stockyards. He worked hard and could save money. He never drank. Never took part in any social life. Joe never visited a doctor or a dentist. You held your hand up one time for me to stop, and so I'm not even going to participate. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. <laughs> You're on to me anyway, Seb. I know that. So in the early 1880s, the cowboy uh, purchased a little place on a place called Sucker Creek in Malheur County, Oregon. Malheur. Malheur County. Yeah. Isn't that kind of in the southeast uh, area? Right around La Grande in that area. Over yeah. that area. Yeah. Okay. Well, this became Joe's home. He stocked the ranch with cattle and horses and fixed up a dugout in the side of a hill for his living quarters. Uh, little Joe loved the little town of Rockville and the 21 people who lived there. Uh, he took part in the civic affairs in Rockville and all Malheur, is that how you say? Malheur yeah. County. And he voted in the elections and served on juries. Now, Little Joe mailed two letters a month, one to Buffalo, New York, and one with money enclosed went to an address in California. Now, Joe never explained to anyone who received those letters. Now, even after he had this ranch uh, of his own, he still took on any and every small job that came along, wrangling sheep in the corrals of uh, uh, different places uh, during shearing time and driving herds of, uh, of uh, horses from one range to another. 
uh, early in the spring of 1897, Joe was helping shear sheep on the Otto Albert Ranch near Payette, Idaho, up mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah. So Otto knew Joe's ability to ride and handle broncos and told him that any cowboy who could manage wild horses like Joe uh, could should be riding in a Wild West show instead of shearing sheep uh, to fill the gaps between uh, working on the ranch. Well, this interested the, the boy very much, and he asked where he might apply for such a job. Now, Otto was acquainted with a man near a place called Rhinebeck, Iowa. You ever heard of that, Rhinebeck, Iowa? For some reason, Rhinebeck, Iowa, I think, do they have a, a tractor manufacturing I, you know, plant I, there I or something? I don't know any, I, I've never heard of it, so huh. I don't know how big okay. it is. Right. But anyway, uh, this guy had been uh, with Buffalo Bill's Wild West Show at one time and was starting a show of his own. Uh, Otto offered to contact this man and arrange for Joe to spend the season with the show. And so Otto did this, and Joe hired the Malloy boys to care for his ranch and cattle until he returned in the fall. Oh, he had his own ranch. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So when Joe arrived in Rhinebeck, he was met at the train by a little fellow, not much bigger than himself. And this man was dressed in a Buffalo Bill outfit. He stepped up to Joe and introduced himself as Andrew Whalen. Now, Andy, as he was called by most everyone, was a wealthy man and a great lover of show business. His show was small, but what there was of it was really good. The show stock and the wagons were kept on the Whalen Farm, northeast of Rhinebeck, and the Chicago Great Western Railroad ran right through his farm. Now, the first performance of the season was to be put on near the Whalen Farm. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So Andy got posters made which read, quote, Whalen's Wild West Show, the greatest show on land or sea. $25 was offered to anyone who would bring in a horse that Joe could not ride. Mm. Okay? You see where this is going. Uh, I can't say anything. Uh, No, you can't. (laughs) The show drew a good crowd, and a horse was brought in by a guy named Pat Emmett. Now, this animal was a good bucking horse, and through everybody, all the local riders, nobody had ridden this horse. But Joe rode the horse without much trouble. Really? Yeah. Well, and, and you, you think about the riders nowadays, Zeb, they're all small. You know, the, 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 uh, or most of them, aren't they? Like, yeah. Uh, the, uh, most are. Bull riders, the. You're not you're talking, no, you're not talking about guys. Uh, there are some that are over six feet. Okay. There are some, but uh, they're in the minority. Yeah. So a lot of them are fairly small yeah. people, yeah. kind of like yeah. Joe. So anyway. Uh, I the, wouldn't call them small people, though. No. Uh, no you're I, on your own, buddy. They are. Uh, let's just keep going. Then, <laughs> so then the show started out uh, on the circuit, and the outfit had three Closed wagons, all painted black with yellow wheels and yellow lettering on that each. That sounds kind of neat. It does. Sounds pretty colorful. Which read, quote, Whalen's Wild West Show, the greatest show on land or sea. And one day, Andy read a newspaper article about a guy named Albert Smith with the Vitagraph Film Company. 
okay, mm. who had traveled around in uh, Ohio, taking moving pictures of him in his home. Now, this article went on to say that the moving pictures was the coming thing. Oh. Okay. So this article interested Andy so much that he wrote Albert Smith and asked if he could come to Whalen's farm and take a movie of the Wild West show. Well, Smith wrote back that he was on his way and that his uh, this would be the first Western movie ever filmed west of the Mississippi. Wow. So, you know, the very early days, of course, they were uh, no sound. What year was that? Uh, oh, gosh. I don't mean to interrupt you there, but... Uh, you know, uh, 1870, it was about 1875. Wow, the year Eight, before the Custer Massacre. Yeah, so maybe late, by now, maybe... 1880, somewhere somewhere right in there, yeah. Well, the show was filmed, and Joe made an excellent bronc ride, and he later bought a movie projector and was said to be the first person in his part of the country to own one. When the show closed for the winter, little Joe returned to his ranch at Rockville, and he changed the name of his show to Andy's Electric Theater and showed the first movies uh, presented in the central states. So the very first... This guy back, was way ahead of his yeah, time. Yeah, clear back in, I'm going to say, early 1880s, wow. probably. Wow. Well, Joe increased his cattle herd at the ranch and planned to spend all his time ranching, uh, doing more uh, more odd jobs and uh, not traveling so much. Then in late December, okay, now this is a little later, 1903. So maybe we're talking 1890s for that yeah. movie thing. Okay. okay. So Joe started out uh, with his herd for winter pasture on the Boise River. And when he reached the Malloy Ranch, he got sick. And he was too sick to continue. So the Malloys uh, took the cattle on from there. Mrs. Malloy cared for Joe as best she could, but pneumonia set in. And in the first week of the new year, Joe, while sitting in a chair in the front room, was seized with a severe coughing seizure and died. So little Joe died, 1903. Uh-huh. Now, the neighbors were notified, and men came to prepare the body for burial and to build a pine box. The men who prepared the body that day learned the secret that Joe Monahan was indeed a woman, which you alluded to in the beginning. I didn't allude to anything because your hand shot up That's in the right. air I, and I, you I, cursed me under your breath. I, I cut you off. Well, neighbors and friends met in the Malloy home after the services and talked about the surprise and wondered who would be the heirs to Joe's estate. Remember, she had this ranch. You know, with cattle and horses. So uh, other questions that came up that day were, was Joe Monahan really her name? Were there any living relatives? Because, you know, they got to find out, you know, if there are sure. any. Yeah. Well, the neighbors buried Joe in the old community cemetery on the Hat H Ranch at Rockville. And this grave was the end of the trail for little Joe Monahan and the end of the kind of a masquerade and a secret which she had kept for 25 years. Now, the saga continues a little bit here. A rancher uh, in the area recalled that Joe had mailed letters uh, to an address in Buffalo, New York. And then also California. And and also to California. And so um, there was a Miss Anna Walters who was employed at the time as a police matron in one of Buffalo's precinct stations. And Miss Walters stated that it had been nearly 40 years since Johanna... Johanna was her name, Uh. Monaghan, had left Buffalo. She had been adopted and raised by Miss Walters. 
by Miss Walters' mother, a Mrs. Catherine Walters. So Joe's own mother had died when she was eight, and she'd been left in the custody of a stepfather who did not treat her very well. It was mm. pretty cruel. I see. So Joe remained at the Walters home until she was about 14 years old, and one day she just suddenly announced that she was going west to make her fortune, and she just left, age 14, a girl. Okay? Um, and nobody knew. No. And Joe wrote uh, to the Walters, but never once mentioned that she was masquerading as a man. She wrote of her life, provided uh, providing meat for the mining camp, buying the cattle ranch, and raising cattle. She wrote about being with the Wild West show and being in the first Western movie ever filmed west of the Mississippi. Hmm. So she told the folks back home, but they didn't. she didn't say that she was masquerading as a man. Are those films still available to oh, be seen? Boy. You know, I wonder if they were preserved at all. You know, that many years ago, I, from what I understand, they only last so many years before they, I think, just deteriorate. You know, so I would, I would be surprised if they're still around. But you know, they could be. But you know, a few months after Joe's death, a letter arrived at the Rockville Post Office where she had, where she was buried, right. uh, addressed to the postmaster, who was then a lady by the name of Miss Libby Proud. And it came from a young man in California who was seeking the whereabouts of his mother, Josephine Monahan. Whoa. This the young, plot thickens. Yes. This young man had been left in California to be cared for by others, and he believed Joe Monahan to be his mother. Somewhere along the trail of Joe's wanderings, from a far city back east to California, and then on to Idaho, Oregon, and Iowa, there was a secret, but little Joe never talked much about her life. There are many, many other versions of her life and background, and we may never know really which one is true. So, evidently, this was a son. Really? Uh, at least that's what we think. So did they leave everything to him? That They don't tell us that. So... We don't know, but that was the only living. But he was the one in California right. that she was sending the money to. Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. my. So, anyway, all that remains of where she was is this dugout uh, at the foot of a hill near what they call the Joe Fenwick Ranch. And it says a few old-timers are left who actually wrangled. Now, this is an old story. This is probably 70 70, or no, 30 or 40 years old This where I got this story. So yeah. uh, back then there was still some that said that they had worked with little Joe wrangling horses and, and sheep and stuff. But uh, anyway, it says several years ago that a new stone was placed at Joe Monahan's grave. Really? So it's marked over there as uh, Josephine or uh, so Johanna. So in this Monahan. position that was in, when did she start sending the money to California? Well, she... Uh, probably about 1875, 1880, oh, right in there, because that's okay. when she headed west. Well, then her son and perhaps his descendants are still alive. I'm sure, because she didn't, you know, she died in what I say, 1903. Yeah. So, you know, that's not, you know, that she could be a grandmother to, she could have grandsons and granddaughters oh, absolutely. out there right now. Right. Yeah. So wow. That, that's the story of little Joe. It's hard to imagine that nobody figured that out. Let me show you a picture here, Zeb. Oh, of her? Yeah. Now look at that. Uh, uh, 
Whoa, wait a minute. Let me get a close-up here. My eyes are not what they used to be. Okay. So you uh, see her there. Is it, this is her in the circle, too? Yeah. She's in a nice, beautiful dress. Oh, she's a very petite, very, quite frankly, attractive yeah. Um, she doesn't resemble the Cowboys I know. I'll tell you <laughs> no, that. No. Uh, I'm really shocked, to be quite but, frank with you. And, and there's, uh, as you can see on there, there's uh, some pictures of some letters that she wrote. Oh, my. On that first page there. Yeah. But she, for those of you in the audience, um, she's in a beautiful, at that period of time in history, one of those big, uh, like a dancing ball yeah, gown. Floor length, beautiful yeah, gown. Yeah. And very, very pretty young lady. Yeah. That wasn't a young lady. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there are other stories of women who pretended to be men. Like I told the story of a stage driver named Charlie Parker. I remember that one. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Parker. Yeah. And I've also read stories of uh, women who served in the during the Civil War. I remember uh, that As too. soldiers. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember. There was one uh, that... She served as a man, but then when she found out she was a woman, they used her as a spy. Really? So she would dress up as a woman and, uh, you know, spy on on, on the soldiers uh, and then come back and report. It, so, it amazes me, though, that somebody didn't put two and two together and not come up with five. Right. Because... You know, the stories I've read that uh, she always wore clothes that were too big, her yeah. boots were too big. Yeah. Uh, but she's very petite. Yeah, she is. I mean, you know, maybe 5'2", yeah. 5'3". Actually, about your size. That was it. I have shrunk, but not that much. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did play basketball. Oh, uh, yeah. But <laughs> not center. I was going to say. <laughs> I wasn't the center. <laughs> you ain't Shaquille. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> but I was quick. Uh, quick. I was, yeah. I was quick. Yeah, yeah, quick, fast. There yeah. you go. Yep. Yeah, that was a good story. Yeah, I like Joe. that. I, and, and I like it because it occurred really kind of not too far from us. Oh, right absolutely. Here. Yeah. You know, just west of us okay. a ways. All right. So. Dr. History, any final thoughts real quick? Nope. Thanks again to those that uh, wrote to us. And uh, if anybody's farther away than Germany, let me know. What was his name? Feeble Buster <laughs> Bird Weiser or something uh, like that? Zeb Schnitzel Flute. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Say that twice. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I like my program and the yeah. money. <laughs> okay. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.